Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. Hello. Oh, Paige, this is one of those glorious moments when Clara is down for a nap and we get to do a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we get to end. We have to do it before she wakes up again. (laughs) Exactly. Let's jump on this. Anyway, so we just have a short bit of time here today because, you know, we've pretty much run this schedule around Clara. Boy, I'll tell you what, that little girl has no idea what she's doing to our schedules but we love her so much. So today, Paige, we're talking about teaching children discernment. So we already did a podcast, the the one prior to this, about helping yourself discern. And I know that there were some people who were asking for that, but we thought we'd take it to the next level and say, okay, now you have yourself going on this track where you're discerning things a little bit better. So now how do we teach discernment to the children? This is a really big deal, actually, because we really have a problem with people not understanding discernment, children not being led down that path, and it has some dire effects. We're going to talk about that coming up. But first, before we do that, as is tradition here on the Teaching Self-Government podcast, we have a fun family activity, right? Something you could do. It's easy. It's exciting. And so here you go, Paige, what's our activity? And I have a feeling it has to do with discernment. What? Yes. So our fun family activity is all about feeling things and discerning what things are without being able to see them. So um, I don't know if you've ever been to a Halloween party or something where they have a box laid out or a curtain and you have to put your hand in and touch something. Usually it's gooey and, you know, slimy and whatever, but, and then they say, okay, what is it? You know, what really is this? I mean, we've labeled it as goblin brains, but what is it? Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. They'll try to scare you. Like this is the brains of whatever. And you're like reaching your hand into cooked warmed spaghetti and you're like eh. yeah <laughs> exactly so i th- i thought that, that would be a fun one to go along with this topic because i mean you don't have to do food but if you want to do cooked pasta with some sauce or something um you can do that but um, boiled eggs with- Th- those oh, were yes. always the eyeballs remember yes anyway yeah i had a friend do- who did that yeah you could always do like stuffed animals or household items and you can say okay You've got, you know, 10 seconds to feel what this is. And then one hand, only one hand. Yep. One hand. Anyway. And so then you can have a discerning game or a guessing game. And you can also do this with a blindfold because that is also symbolic, right? Because sometimes we get into a situation where we can't really see what's going on or what's, you know, going on beneath all the behaviors. And so we have to take a second and we have to discern what's going on and what's really happening. So, but it's really fun. I love it. I love it. I'm just picturing jello with mandarin oranges in it. People feeling it going, wait a second. What is okay? I thought jello, but like, what is that? You know, and then and then I can see me like it's gotta be jello. Is it lime jello? (laughs) No tasting, just feeling whoever gets the flavor right is the the winner. That's that's a fun game. I think you know, children love guessing games and but real discernment should not be a guess, right? So 
This is this is a fun discerning game. In fact, you could have a whole family night where you're like, okay, for our family activity, we're going to play this guessing game, these things, and then we're going to talk about discernment. And mm-hmm. I've got to tell you just a little bit of a disclaimer here. When you're teaching a person about discernment, we touch into the spiritual, okay? Because um, <clears throat> when a person is just trying to figure out you know, what is four plus four? Okay. Well, they can line up four things and then they can line up four more things and then they can count them up. And there's not a ton of discernment there. It's like all right there in front of your face. Okay. But discernment is something that happens below the surface, right? It's not something that you necessarily can see or touch, you know, with your hands or with your eyes. It's something that you feel inside that you know it's right. Well, it's something that you line up with your core values and principles. So it's not just like, you know, your emotions feeling it out. It's like, okay, how does this compare to what I already know and what I know to be true? For sure. For sure. But it is a thing where you get this sense Mm -hmm. of like, that's right. That's right. I know that I know that people will, you know, come up to me sometimes after I speak and they'll just say, wow, that was that was right on. Now, what does that mean when they that was right on? Does that mean I told them everything they already knew? No, that's not what that means. And and maybe for some people, if they said that, it would mean that. But I can tell what these people are saying was like, that was just what I needed. In fact, so many people say it just like that. That was just what I needed. That is the answer I was looking for, right? So mm-hmm. when someone is discerning, they're finding that answer that they're looking for. Something is like this flashing, like, that's true. You've been looking for this. Truth. That's truth. Truth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 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 finally they get it and they're so excited. People get this excitement because there's suddenly clarity that comes into focus, you know, when a person is discerning and they found the right answer. Now, I do know that discernment can be very frustrating because sometimes you're like, I don't know. I don't know if it's this. I don't know if it's this. I don't know if it's this. And usually what that means is you haven't actually found the right thing yet. Or you are letting your physical desires get caught up in it. And so then you're having a hard time discerning because when you discern, you have to separate the truth and the spiritual from the physical and the craving and the desire that you have. Mm -hmm. And see, this is one of the problems that a lot of our children are running into. So number one problem is parents are not teaching their children discernment because a, they don't know how to discern themselves or they don't know how to teach it or, you know, they they don't know what they don't know. Okay. So that's a common thing. But then there's another thing is that society is not backing up the concept of discernment as at all, because did you know that if you are going to discern, it's not about your truth. It's about truth. The truth. Right. It's not popular. Just saying it's not, it's not popular. Well, self-government in and of itself is not popular. So it's not popular. I think we're over it. There we go. That's right. We are kind of over it. That's true. But um, but let's but let's talk about that. So so when you are seeking for answers for you, then that is personal. 
We could say inspiration. We could say revelation, if you know where this is coming from and if it's coming from God, right? Then for you, right? And every person wants to know, okay, for me, what do I need? But when people say your truth, they're basically saying, well, what do you want? Live your truth. What do you feel like you would like or what seems Mm -hmm. true to you? When in reality, any type of personal direction that you get from God is always going to end up being um, parallel to, if not building right upon a truth that that would be applicable to every single person, like just a, a plain out broad truth. Mm-hmm. And so, so when we're talking about discernment, we're saying, well, what actually is true? What is true? And you're not going to find what is true. Here's another not popular thing is if you are dabbling in darkness, okay. If you're all kinds of, you know, your, your emphasis is excuse making your emphasis is um, being grumpy, ornery, negative, argumentative, and you're looking for answers in that zone and that's how you're behaving, you're not going to find truth because you're already so emotionally distracted or maybe even shadow distracted. Okay. I I just made that term up. What do we think of that? Anyway, it's okay. It's okay. okay. (laughs) We'll, We'll come up with another one later, but meaning like you're kind of like distracted by darkness that's kind of around you. You're in that type of a zone. You're going to have a hard time discerning what's true. You have a hard time seeing the light when you're looking for darkness or when you are looking for excuses or for enemies or for whatever. If you're being negative, you're not going to find a whole lot of hope and light and truth. So there is that too, right? So the way you live your life, the focus of your life is going to make a little bit of a difference. And if you can properly discern, I'm so, so tired of hearing from these people. They pull away from everything. Oh yeah. I left my family. I left my spouse. I left all my children. I left my faith. I left my whatever my, my healthy lifestyle, I left everything and I've never been so happy. And I'm like, um, yeah, that, that doesn't connect there. There are dots that are struggling right there because Mm -hmm. you don't leave all your responsibilities and go, yep, that's the answer for me. And just, and just buy into total selfishness. So this is the other thing. A lot of times that people probably don't like about the concept of discernment is that when a person is discerning, it may be something they have to do, but it's not necessarily about what they get. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're just focused and, on what you get out of it, then it's a false sense of satisfaction. For sure. For sure. And then you might be over-focused on your senses, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So there is a physical way to view life and a moral way to view life. And when somebody is wondering what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is false, which is what people all over the world are looking for everywhere. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter their faith. When they are asking that question, they are not saying, um, they are not saying which thing pleases me more. They are saying really, truly like outside of myself, what is right? And when someone feeds them the false 
information of, well, whatever you want is right because it's all just about you. No, when you're really looking to discern, it's not about you at all. It's about that there is a, some sort of higher, higher authority. There's, there's an order to things and truth is associated with this order and, and what's right and what is good is associated with this order. And there's nothing a human can do to adjust it. You can try to say it doesn't exist, but everyone knows it does. And you only <laughs> find, you only find true peace. If you put yourself in alignment with it, which is why everybody really wants to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we're running into a little issue though, because this is all fine and dandy for us adults to hear, but how are we going to teach this to say an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old? Oh, sheesh, you would go and bring me right back onto the top. Like, wouldn't you? <laughs> that's so hey, true. That's my job. <laughs> that is well, that's one of the jobs, but it's true. Yes. The thing is, is it's so hard to talk about a topic like this without hitting some of those layers. And even though we went into some of the layers in the last podcast, which definitely go back and see or hear, yeah, see, you're going to see a black screen that says podcast. <laughs> For us, it's a <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Um, but go back and listen to that podcast because it goes into a lot more, de- you know, depth of all of that kind of stuff. So that'd be good. But you're right, Paige. Let's talk about teaching the children. Let's turn this in, into the ABCs here. Let's let's make it a little bit <laughs> simple. So we're going to look through this topic through the lens of self-government. Paige, remind us, what is self-government? Self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them both. Both things. Yeah, both things. So that each person knows they can control themselves. Now that right there is liberating enough, but how amazing would it be if you coupled that planning and those actions with, and I know this is the true step I should take. I know this is the right direction to go. Wow. That just gives a person all kinds of confidence, security, peace, there was a time page when you, I, I asked a question, you were like 14 or something. We were doing a homeschool class and, and I said to the class, I said, okay, so in the future, you know, let's say somebody's running for office, you know, how are you going to know if it's the right person? Cause I was talking about discerning and I was trying to open this conversation about discernment. And I said, how are you going to know it's the right person? And you raised your hand, shot up so fast. And you're like, I'm going to ask my mom. <laughs> And I was like, at first I was like, well, I'm trying to get past that. But then I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) that's actually totally appropriate for where you're at at age 14, Mm -hmm. because at age 14, you're going to, and sometimes even when you're older, you're going to go to somebody you can trust and say, wait a second, I got to talk to you about something. Right. Anyway. And so, but, but children learn how to discern from their parents. That's a huge thing. So one key thing that we've got to make sure that we teach children is how to discern. We're going to talk about four different ways that we teach children how to discern. And it's important that we recognize this stuff has to be taught because their brains are not fully developed yet. They can, they don't, they can't even process all of the information yet necessarily. Mm -hmm. So the brain is not, the prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until a person is oftentimes in their mid twenties. So this means they really do need some help at sorting things out. And as much as we'd like them to just go it alone and learn it, Mm -hmm. then 
sometimes they get into some pretty hard knocks, actually. So we're going to talk about four different ways to teach children to discern and help you, you know, find some things that you can do easily to help with discernment. And so number one is children learn to discern by seeing someone else discern, just like you did when you were 14 years old you were able to see what I did. And so that helped, you know, well, do I want to do that? Or do I not want to do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you guys played a really big role. So by seeing someone else discern, and that's, that's one of the biggest ways that children learn how to discern. And it's, it's really, you know, it comes a lot with the parents. And so, you know, a lot of times we see children who have the same uh, frame of mind or viewpoint as their parents do. And that's because that's who they watch. You know, the people that they're around, the people who are in in charge of raising them and forming their opinions about life and society and stuff like that are who set the tone for that discernment. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if if they're open in their discussions um, and if they talk about decisions they're going to make, then um, that will become part of the family culture and children will most likely do the same thing but that can be good or bad because, you know, sometimes parents are very open (laughs) in their communications about things that really aren't part of the child's business, you know, and it's right. So be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Be careful because actually parents set the culture for the family based on what they do and what they talk about. And, but what your children see you like, what they see you trust, you know, if you trust certain movies, if you trust certain activities, your children will trust it. They, they follow, they follow what the parents do. So if you listen to music that has, you know, bad words in it, don't be surprised if that's the type of music they want to listen to. As you know, Paige, the whole time you guys were growing up, um, especially when you were little, I only listened to classical music stations when I was in the car. Or no music at all. Or no music at all. Exactly. But it's okay. Well, you know, hey. <laughs> I mean, especially for the girl who's like music around the clock would make my life complete. Yeah, no. So I, but I listen to classical musical sta- music stations. Now I love classic music, but it's not that I don't love, I don't like pop or, I mean, I really like country and I like lots of different types of music, but I purposely decided that I was going to listen to only the best especially when I was raising my children, because I didn't want you guys to develop a taste or a bias toward um, something that might not be the best. I wanted you to have a foundation first of what would be considered good and orderly and would have a good spirit in it. I wanted you to have some good. So this brings us to something. If you're never in touch with good, how do you know what good is? If a parent only associates their child with bad music or, you know, whatever it is, like, here's a a statement I read years ago. It was in a magazine um, by a a university, Brigham Young University. I just happened to read this. I can't remember who wrote it, but they said, a person never comes, becomes a gourmet if they were raised on a steady diet of hamburgers and French fries. They don't. And you never learn to like produce out of the garden if you've never had produce out of the garden. That's just it. It's true. And and so what do the parents teach? They teach the child what to have an appetite for. 
whether it's food, whether it's media, entertainment, conversation, language, any of it, the parents teach the child the appetite. So if you want your child to really be able to discern, you've got to make sure that you set the bar for good in its proper place, because you could make bad seem like it's good. And people do that. So people will, they will have their child, they'll expose their child to something, they call it good, when in reality, it's not good, according to the real standards of what would be good. And it certainly might not be appropriate for children, but they call it good. And then they groom the child to have a different standard for what good is. And that ends up, you know, being kind of a tragedy really in the life of the child. So, um, so like you said, Paige, they follow our example. They talk with us about things. They discuss uh, things with us. Stories are going to be a big part of this. So, mm-hmm. um, the way the stories you read and how you see the character in a story discern is also going to be very important. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, so- I know growing up, we read lots of fairy tales. We read lots of like mother goose stories. We read all sorts of stories. We read some of my favorite were, um, story of the world, you know, history mm-hmm. stories from history. And we saw how biography, tons of biography. mm -hmm. We saw how like Genghis Khan, you know, made all these decisions. And we saw how a bunch of different people throughout history either made decisions for their benefit or for for their detriment. And Mm. so it was really, really, really interesting and very beneficial to have um, all those examples laid out for us. For sure. So, and there's so many little stories that can go into discernment. I'm thinking Peter Rabbit. Okay. Peter, uh uh-oh, he doesn't go in there or he's not supposed to go in the garden, Mr. McGregor's garden. He goes in and then he gets scared. Oh no, he's in danger. And then afterward, he kind of feels bad about it. And he, you know, and, and there's other people that were worried for him, you know, just this one little experience to teach him about doing what his mom says, do what your mom says, follow what she says. That's important. Right. Well, because his mom had taught him principles. Right. Right. But stories should point back to following what the parents say. Right. And so Mm -hmm. many stories now omit the parents completely. So steer steer clear of those stories. But, you know, I'm thinking of some other things that people might know of, like uh, a book, The Hiding Place by Corey Tenboom. We see Corey in her heart discern. Should I do this? Should I do this? How should I help this person? Should I help this person? What mm-hmm. should I do? And we see her, and it's a true story, but we see her go through her experiences in her life discerning. Um, Lara Ingalls' books, Little House on the Prairie, Little House in the Big Woods, those those types of books, um, Farmer Boy, those, those we get into the, the heads of the characters. We did the same thing um, with... Anne of Green Gables books, right? Mm-hmm. L.M. Montgomery stuff. Um, really great things. Same with um, Louisa May Alcott books. You, you get to see the characters discern and they make some mistakes and then they figure it out because children aren't perfect. Just because you teach them discernment doesn't mean they're never going to make the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. They will make the wrong choice sometimes, but stories are huge. So you're going to read your children really great stories. You're going to discuss from these stories and then you are going to also tell them stories of people around you. There might be people in the news. You might tell them the story of the story of the Shinani at the time. You might tell them stories from history, like Paige, like you said, story of the world. Um, 
but you might tell them there might be neighbors that do certain things. And you're like, we need to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Is that the right choice? You know, and it's not that you're trying to be mean to your neighbor, but you've got to use every single thing your child sees as a teaching moment. If you don't, your child can process it in a way that is not okay. Well, and you have to bring everything back to your principles, which is the second way that children learn how to discern is by knowing their principles. And so we have to teach them that. And usually by around age eight, a child has a decent foundation um, in their governing principles and morals if the parent has done their job right with the teaching. And so um, I know for us by age eight, we're like, okay, well, that's you know pretty a pretty good age for accountability. You know, you should have a pretty good idea of right and wrong, good and bad, true and false at this point in time. Um, and so you can start making slightly bigger decisions than, you know, oh, what should I have for breakfast today? Stuff like that. And so yeah. it's, you have to know your principles and you have to be able to bring it back to, oh, is this what we know to be right, good, and true? No. Okay. Well, we probably shouldn't pursue it then. Yeah. So this is a key thing because if a person knows their principles, if you've trained them on their principles, then they have a gauge or a foundation to build any other decision upon, because if it's a principle and it's true all the time, then if you get some other answer to do something or a desire to do something, if it doesn't match principles, you already know to be treat chances are that is the wrong choice mm-hmm. because they build on each other. Yeah. But I mean, we have to look at it the other way too. Then if you grew up in a household where you weren't really taught true principles and the principles you learned were, you know, they didn't match up with eternal truths or, you know, set solid truths, you know, then you could make decisions that are not the best for you. Yeah. And then you have to learn that's called the hard knocks way. Yeah. <laughs> Because then you're like, oh man, how come my life stinks so bad? How come, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, choices. I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was, was going to say, I know a young man. <laughs> oh, we, we both are going to do it at the same time. It's anyway, fine. we're looking right at each other and we still talk at the same time. That's yeah, just great. It's anyway, I was just going to say that I know a young man who um, he, both of his parents had the same kind of foundation when he was really little. And then his father left that foundation and, and then he was torn between what's right and what's wrong. And the the father went one way and the mother went the other way. And since he was just back and forth and not sure what to really do, he ended up going completely off a cliff. He, he bailed on all of it. You know, he's like, I don't, I don't want to side on any of this. I don't want whatever. And he ended up in drugs and he ended up in all kinds of dangerous, dangerous activities for all I know, locked up probably. Anyway, I don't really know for sure, but he ended up in a lot of stuff and it's because he didn't have any foundation. And now in his adult years, he's like, Holy cow. Did I ever miss that foundation? I mean, and now, and now his life is just so different. And he's like setting the example for all of his family, you know, because he's like, no, I foundation is vital. And so when you don't get that, sometimes the child really ends up with some lost moments in their life. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of times when you make a decision that does line up with true principles, there's just like, you could call it a gut feeling, but there's just a feeling of it just locks into place. It just feels right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of hard to disregard that and you go, oh, wow. Okay. This, this feels right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. And, and I think that's the part that people are waiting for. They're like, 
okay, well, so what's the difference between it feels right mm-hmm. and I want it? Well, that's, <laughs> so that's actually our third way. Look at it right. wing right in. But yes. the third way that children learn how to discern is by understanding their physical versus their spiritual feelings. So the physical stuff, those are cravings. Those are, um, you know, physical desires, pleasures, um, stuff like that. And so, I mean, for me, a, an example is, you know, a craving I get often is for sugary things, you know, and it's like, oh man, I want this right now, you know, but it almost feels like an, like an unnecessary urgency, if that makes sense. Mm. And it's, it's just like busyness or, you know, I guess white noise in my head and in my body. I'm like, okay, you know, craving. Oh yeah, this is really awesome. I want, I want this right now, blah, blah, blah. But when it's something that clicks with me spiritually and something that I do know is right. So when I'm, you know, may take time to study my scriptures or when I set aside time to serve a neighbor, there's just something more concrete, more grounding, more foundational that just goes, mm. That's right. And it's like real peace. It's like it's real, real satisfaction. It's satisfaction that lasts for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. No, I think you're hitting on something there. When you want something, you just kind of like process on it. And you're like, you want your senses to be gratified. Mm-hmm. If you want your senses to be gratified, like your taste buds or yeah. your eyes or whatever it is, then probably that's not an indicator if, if something is right or if something is true. But if if you're, you know, an adult and you feel like, oh, you know, I really, I really feel like I need to have a change in career choice. And I feel like this is where I'm being led. So like it's, it, it could be a want as well, but it's more of a, it's not just a physical desire. It's a, oh, this will be really good for me. Physically, yes, but mentally, spiritually, this is a good change that will align everything in my life to be more beneficial for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. And when, and you know, and we keep saying aligned, right? Like aligning things. So your heart and your mind usually come together when something is really right and it makes sense. Okay. You may feel like it's a little scary to, you know, get a new job or, um, tell somebody, no, you don't want to go on that trip or go to that party or whatever. It may be a little scary, but it makes sense. It still makes sense. And your heart is at peace. Mm -hmm. You don't, there's no worry attached to it anymore. Once you finally hit that point. Now, here's the thing. Um, when you're teaching a person, how to do this. You have to talk about what are our cravings that we have? Oh, look, if I put a, if I put a candy right here that you really like right in front of you, what do you think about? Ooh, your mouth waters. You think of the taste of the candy. You think I want that. There's only one and there's four of us. Who's going to get it? You know, (laughs) you start thinking all kinds of things about that particular candy, right? But if we decide, oh, so-and-so they're not having a very good day today. They're not feeling very good. And I want to do something nice for them. Now we're to one of our foundational principles, right? Mm -hmm. Is doing something kind or caring for another person. All right. So I think I'm going to give that candy to them because I think it would make them happy because it's one of their favorite candies. 
then suddenly it doesn't matter that there were four people sitting there and everyone was craving it and and their mouth was salivating for it. Now it's like, wait a minute, this goes back to our principle and it's not about me. I've got something good. And can I share that good thing with another person? And so suddenly our, our whole perspective changes. Our heart has now come into it and our mind has said, yes, it's good to give that up. It's good. And then what the parent does is the parent talks about the difference between those things with the children, right? The principles and the cravings and what those differences feel like. And then, and then whenever a good thing happens and something is good and the parent goes, Oh, that was so good of my child, or that's true. Then, then the parent, a wise parent says to their child, do you feel that? Do you feel that feeling? Cause that feels different, doesn't it? It feels calming. What does it feel like? Let's describe it. And then the parent describes the feeling with the child and they discuss the feeling that feels like if it's true. Now you would also do it on the other side of things. When something feels not right, you'd say, do you feel that? Does this feel like that same feeling we talked about yesterday when something was completely right and felt right? Mm -hmm. No, this feels very different. So you have to teach your child how to do that. Oh, now, it's like you're leading right into our step number four. Hold on, hold oh, on. Right four. Oh, oh, I am leading into it, but there's one other okay. thing we've got to talk about, but I am so glad you're keeping me on course here. <laughs> okay. But there is one other thing we've got to talk about. And that is that sometimes it's going to be important to help a child really like you're going to point out the feelings, try to discuss them, but you may also take it a step further and say, okay, let's have the Lord teach us. Let's have God teach us. So I did this thing where I went to God and said, okay, bless my body with what it feels like when an answer from you is yes, that I'm making the right choice. And then bless my body with what it feels like when the answer is no. And then, you know, and then I waited and I felt after each one of those prayers, those were two separate prayers, right? And, um, and I waited and I felt and, and God taught me, this is how it feels for you. And you can teach your children to do that too. I taught all my children to go and have that same type of a prayer so that they would know. So then when they're out and about and something happens or somebody says something and they get a certain feeling, they go, wait a second. I know that feeling. That feeling is no. That person, no. And if you're too confused about something, the answer is usually no. That's Confusion that's, is not for clarity. Yeah, that's not you discerning the right thing. So then the answer is no. So here's the thing. You have to have experience. This is probably the main thing I want to hit here on, on the third way to teach children discernment is help them have experience with what it feels like when that spiritual feeling, when the answer is yes and the answer is no. Bring it to their attention. Have them do some searching on their own. Help them learn what I call the language of the spirit. Because there is a way that 
God talks to each of us. And if we're wise, we focus on learning that, you know? (laughs) All right. So let's talk about how we are going to help the children even more be able to recognize what they felt during these times and how to really get them deliberately recognizing that they have the ability to discern. So number four is what? So children learn how to discern by reasoning. So now that we've talked about understanding physical versus spiritual, they have to take that to their logical brain, the prefrontal cortex, right? And like we said at the beginning, this part of the brain is the last to develop and it isn't fully developed until between the ages of like 18 to 25. And I just turned 25. So I'm going to say that mine's fully developed. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I think you're probably there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're doing good. But, um, so something that we teach others to do a lot in teaching self-government is to do what we call a SOTAS and SOTAS is an acronym for situations, options, disadvantages, advantages, and solution. So we start out with a situation. So you would write down the situation you're currently in or that you, that just happened. And then you would write down three, maybe four options for what you could do in that situation. Then for each option, you're going to write down a disadvantages, usually like two or three, because there's, there's always multiple disadvantages for each option, whether it's a good or bad option. And then you write down uh, two or three advantages for each option, because there are always advantages to each option, good and bad. That's why some people choose to do bad things because they see advantages. And then after taking everything into consideration, all of your disadvantages and advantages for each option, then you're going to come up with your solution and you're going to write that down. And then that's what you do. So it's a, it's a problem solving exercise, but it helps the brain to think everything out and think of it logically and put emotions outside of the processing realm. So we still acknowledge that they're there and that feelings are valid, but we do not use them to process a situation because that's where we get into trouble and that's where the waters get muddy and that's why we have so many issues in the world today (laughs) yeah no it's true because because people are jumping straight to their emotional responses to feelings instead of stopping to think mm -hmm. yeah they're not stopping to think and so we've got to teach people to do that so even though we're trying to recognize what does it feel like and helping our children see the difference in the feeling and recognize their principles now we finally get to this place where they're going to reason and like you said Paige we love the sodas exercises because this is a way to help them look at all the pieces and then you can see what does really make sense And what really does bring us to the outcomes that align with my principles Mm -hmm. or that I've seen in action before? What have my parents done that have shown me that's the right way? Or if I've read great books, maybe my parents weren't good examples, but I've read great things and I've seen some other great examples. What have I seen work for other people before? Okay. Now, as I'm reasoning this out, I'm seeing why I keep doing the wrong thing, but I'm not seeing that this other option over here is, is what I already know to be the right way. Right. And so it should build again upon those foundational principles that you have. So anytime you discern and you figure out something is true, it's not going to be some amazing shock that it's true. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. You, you might get told, Hey, go be on a BBC show called the world's strictest parents. That seems <laughs> a little shocking, but at the same time, it was comfortable when I got it. And when I got that answer, like, it yeah, you need to go right. do that. I was like, Oh boy, this <laughs> is it. a big one, but <laughs> I guess I'll go do it. No. Anyway, and that's the, that's the way it's been for a lot of things. Actually, people ask me to speak. Oh, God never does anything and- small with you. So well, sometimes he does, you know, sometimes he brings an email to my attention that I should see. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's something like that. Wink, wink, anyway. a nod, just happened. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, yeah, so, so not... oh, oh sorry, I was I just going to say that there's something else that we can do, right, when we're teaching. So we've got sodas, but mm-hmm. we also can have meetings with our children. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having the regular meetings and talking things out in our family meetings and our mentor meetings, these are times where we teach the children to reason, teach them to look at other options. So this is another great opportunity Mm -hmm. to teach them how to sort it all out in their mind so that they can for sure see the pieces that they're dealing with. Yeah. And we can take time in the middle of interactions or right after and say, Hey, let's talk about that for a few minutes. I remember some of the most prominent times that we did this. Um, when I was ages 11 to 14, you and I did a women's barbershop group together. Mm-hmm. And we had an hour drive in to rehearsal and then an hour drive home from rehearsal every week. And so usually on our drive home, we would say, oh, you know, so-and-so said this at rehearsal. What did you think about that? Why do you think they would have said something like that? You know, and so it was really interesting to analyze these interactions that these grown women had with each other, right? Mm -hmm. In this certain setting and to see how I, an 11 or 12, 13 or 14 year old, you know, contributed to that or was affected by that um, or something like that. So we, we analyze things all the time and it was, Mm -hmm. it, it was just part of our family culture. Some people might think that's really weird, but we did it all the time and it really helped my brain understand, okay, this is what I need to be doing all the time. I need to be thinking about this. I need to be thinking about this. And I need to, you know, think about how that affects me or how something I might say or do would affect other people, you know, in my sphere of influence, you know, how does it all fit together? And so now because of that, my brain is, it does all that all the time. And it seems normal. You know, some people might think, oh my gosh, that's mentally exhausting. But, (laughs) and if it is, if you're trying to jump into it all at once, but if you build up to it and if you create a culture in your family of doing that all the time, then it becomes normal and it's not overthinking. It's critical thinking, right? Mm, so mm-hmm. it's, it's important to think logically because overthinking happens when you're using your emotions to process. That's, that's what people say overthinking because then you get overwhelmed and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, so, but doing it logically and acknowledging things that are there and seeing everything, but not being emotionally, you know, invested per se. Um, well, in then the you can make better decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because you, you can remove the emotion from it and you can look at all the pieces. Now you can sometimes say, okay, I'm going to look at all the pieces and then I'm going to say, okay, now, Lord, I think I've found my decision. I think yeah. it's this and, you know, and I'm going to go in that direction, but it could be that, you do it in the opposite. Oh, I really feel like I should do this. Then you do out the sodas on the whole thing, or you have a, you have a discussion with somebody that you trust about the whole thing. And you're like, yep, I really do feel like that. That's the right. Or sometimes when you're having a discussion, 
you get that spiritual feeling in there like, oh, this is the lesson I need to learn from this. So these pieces, you know, they work together. They work together. So there's probably one other thing that we definitely need to bring up when we're talking about number four here of reasoning and teaching children how to reason is that when somebody is corrected or when they're taught anything, when they're pre-taught something, we want to definitely be teaching the reasons why. So we want people to see their options of what they could choose, but we want to see the, okay, well, why is it that this would be the right way? Let's talk to the why. Let's give some reason there. Okay, well, here's something I need you to do and here's why. And then, and here's, and if you do, if you do it this way, that's the wrong way. And here's why it would be the wrong way. And then when you're correcting someone, this is what you did. And this wasn't good because here's why, right? And so you're going to explain that why. So you're constantly talking to the heart about that so that the heart and, and the brain are like, oh yeah. And they're putting these pieces together. We have to be very patient. It takes time. Children, well, everyone for that matter, learns incrementally. So we need to be patient, but we keep doing the teaching again and again, helping the children recognize that they actually get to make the choices for themselves. And that's an important thing to recognize that somebody is not going to pick for you. You have to reason this out. You have to know what right feels like, and then you have to make a choice. And sometimes the choice could be done in haste too quickly. Sometimes you missed something. Sometimes you didn't quite get the feeling you wanted for things. And so occasionally we make a wrong choice, but usually if you if you've based your decision off of what have I seen other people around me do? What are my foundational principles and does it build on that? And what, what is the spirit telling me that I, cause I know how the spirit talks to me. And then if I've reasoned this out in my mind and it makes sense to do this, chances are you're going to be making the right choice. So if you teach mm-hmm. your children all four of those things, it's going to be good. So basically there's a process of teaching these four things and getting a child to from non-discerning to discerning. So step number one is you lay the foundation. Step number, meaning you've got to teach it and you've got to show it, right? And you've got to do the reasoning with them. And you do all of these teach four the things. by Yeah. Yeah. You teach, you lay the foundation and you show them. Okay. And so then in, so then you show by example. Okay. So that's number two. So number one, lay the foundation, all the principle. Number two, show by example, you set the example for them. Number three, give them practice. And this is great with the teaching self-government skills. When we correct behaviors, we have these practice sessions that are part of a correction. That's awesome. Cause you're practicing things the right way. Yeah. Role play, role play. Anyway. So give them practice, but also give them an opportunity to fail. Sometimes let them make it decision and see how it goes. And uh uh-oh, that wasn't the right decision. Let's come back to a sodas now and see what we did there. See how we can fix that. And then after they get the chance to reach out on their own and fail a little bit and take, do some practice, then they'll take the full responsibility and trust in their ability to discern. Because see, I think that's the biggest thing is that oftentimes um, people want to discern, but they just don't trust themselves. And -hmm. it's because they haven't had enough practice at it. Someone has always told them what to do. Well, and it could be that, you know, they have tried, but then they get into trouble and they haven't had the mm-hmm. skills to get them out. And so mm-hmm. that's one thing that TSG is really good at. You know, we're obviously not going to go into the skills here, but we teach skills to help people as you are getting your practice in discerning. Mm-hmm. And if you do go, Ooh, well, maybe that wasn't quite the right choice here to make, but that's okay. I've got skills to, you know, get me back on the right path. And so yep. that's something that creates confidence as well. And so when you have practice discerning and you have the skills you need, you can say, you know, 
I feel like this is the right thing to do. I really don't have practice in this area, but I'm going to try it. And if it doesn't work out, this is what I'm going to do because these are the skills I have. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I've done that many times and I go, well, <laughs> that happened, but <laughs> here we go. It's okay. You know, we're going to pull yeah. out of it and it will be just fine. Yeah. I mean, cause you're not going to be perfect every time. I'll tell no. you what, um, I'm just going to, just going to share a quick story. So my son Porter, um, is on, I mean, you know, Porter page, of course, anyway, I hope so. (laughs) Anyway, he's, he's on a mission for our church and he's been gone for a year and it's a two-year mission that he's doing. And he shared at the time that he left on his mission, he shared a story with, with all of our congregation and our friends and family and stuff. And he said, you know, he's like, I, I wanted to do a mission for the church, but I also wanted to go on this soccer tour over in Europe because he loves playing soccer and everything and, Mm -hmm. and just is so good at it. And anyway, and he said, but I really wanted to do that too. And he said, and I got invited to do this. And I went to my mom and said, mom, what should I do? And he said, and then my mom gave me that thing. You don't want to hear your mom say, (laughs) which is Porter. I can't decide this for you. You have to decide it and you're going to have to go and and pray about it and, and find the answer that, you know, you're supposed to do. And he was like, ah, Anyway, and so then, you know, he tells everybody at his his um, going away talk in front of the congregation, he said, he said, and of course, I, you know, went and prayed and everything. And of course, I got the answer that no, don't go and don't go and play soccer over in Europe. Instead, go and do this mission for your church. And he's like, and then I, I felt peace and I knew it was the right thing, you know, but at first he was so, ah, what do I do? What do I do? Mm -hmm. Because he wanted to play soccer. He wanted to do the mission too, but he really just craved that special experience from the soccer. And he knew he'd never get the chance again. And, and to, to give that up was so hard. But as soon as he knew it was the right choice and he said, yep, I will give that up. Then he felt like it was fine and he had to do the harder thing, but yeah. wow, is he having a significant experience right mm-hmm. now? And he is, well, and that's not to say it wasn't like sad. It was still sad. He's like, darn it. You know, that would have been yeah. so fun. He was, yeah. you know, it was a little bit of a letdown, but he's like, you know, what? I'm at peace with my decision. Yeah. But he knew sad, it was right. And I didn't I tell him he had to discern because by that stage, you know, he's 17, 18. And it's like, you got to be gotta able to just do this. You got to make, I'm not making the choice for you. And he did, he made the choice. And you know, what's amazing is he is doing all of the sports with all of these inner city children and running all these youth programs and everything. And he, his sporty self is, is really, really serving the world right now, which is, which is amazing. So anyway, um, teaching children to discern is power. It gives them peace for their lives. It gives them confidence, direction, purpose. And it is something that we absolutely should deliberately teach. So you have been on the Teaching Self-Government podcast. If you need to find out more information about any of the things that we've talked about, please, 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 please go to teachingselfgovernment.com. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.